Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Another Saturday game day here on the Score 1260, and welcome into Fizz Radio. Tim Leonard with Harrison Singer. How's it going? Don't look now. Syracuse has won two in a row. Hey, now. Can't call it a winning streak. It's only two wins, but it feels like it based on how this team had been playing. They pick up the win at Virginia and then a pretty convincing win over Boston College, 76-50 on Wednesday now we're getting you ready for Virginia Tech today. We'll dive into them a little bit later on in the show. we got a lot to break down this week. The new coordinator hirings, Isaiah Stort's news about Jim Beheim that was spreading on Twitter. We'll talk about that and get into Fizz feedback, of course, to wrap up the show. But what do you make of the last two games here? I mean, in a sense, it's just not really like they've changed anything dramatically. It's not like we're seeing something we haven't seen. It's just they're starting to make some shots and— I do think they played a Boston mm-hmm. College team and a Virginia team that were two really good matchups for them because yeah. they're not good rebounding teams and they right. frankly can't shoot the three at all. Right. Yeah, no, I think the first thing that pops to my head, Tim, is that they've made their shots at least. Well, I know they only shot, or Syracuse shot only 33% from the field uh, against Virginia. That was just an ugly game in general, though. They walked yeah. out eight-point winners. Um, they only scored 63 points in that game. In contrast, you have... A much better game from the field, uh, shooting at 52% against Boston College, and that's where the 76 points will come in for a change. And we, we, I'd be remiss to not talk about how Syracuse also only allowed 13 points in the first half <laughs> to wild. Boston College, which you won't lose too many games doing that. So Yeah, well, BC's the 14th best offense in the ACC points per game-wise. Right. There's 15 teams. Virginia's the 15th best offense. So... Mm-hmm. You play the two worst offenses in the ACC, and Virginia always isn't great offensively, but this year especially, they have no one that can shoot the yeah, three. Yeah, it's a little shocking, honestly. Yeah, you saw, even just watching that game, it wasn't like Syracuse was doing anything crazy different no. zone-wise. I will say, I talked to Quincy Garrier after this most recent game against Boston College, and he did have some interesting notes about the zone. He said Jim Beheim told them to push up a little bit at the forward spot. So the forwards are playing a little bit higher, and they made that change before the Virginia game. So this is now two games, probably their two best defensive games of the season, I think you could say, albeit against pretty bad offenses, as we mentioned. But still, they make that change where the forwards are a little bit higher, and Gary A. and Hughes, who I even talked to about this, said it's to protect the high post area a little bit more when you're going up against a Virginia team that had Diakite and Jay Huff. And to protect the three-point line a little bit more, which was obviously right. the Achilles heel against Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. Yeah, one thing to that, too, is they can also, even if they're not facing teams that are inept or remotely inept offensively, they'll still take a, a solid offensive opponent in that zone. A lot of college kids yeah. go up against and they just don't know what the heck to do oftentimes. So, yeah, it helps playing weaker teams. It helps also when you're facing a guy like Tony Bennett, who's seen and faced the zone also it takes only one or two times for him to kind of pick it apart like that's real really the only the the only way that the zone has been consistently beat through the years is from coaches or by coaches who really know what they're doing and can formulate a game plan so when you talk about minor adjustments obviously having length on that zone can't hurt ever no matter who you're playing but 
you know, when you talk about minor adjustments going against a team coached by a guy that sees the zone a lot, is obviously just a great coach, that could have been, it definitely paid its dividends. Right. And we talk about what we've seen in these two wins. We've seen Buddy step up his game a little bit. I know he struggled at the beginning against Virginia, but he hit some big shots in overtime, Absolutely. most notably the, uh, the, the prayer. prayer. Yes. <laughs> wow. Right on, wow. Fist bump for that one. I think we got to— Oh, you're leaving me uh, hanging. Yeah, sorry, man. We, Good we thing gotta, we're not uh, on camera. Good thing we're not on camera. That was, <laughs> exactly. that was brutal. Good radio there with the fist pump, but no we, we got to maybe coin that the nickname or something, the prayer. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so he has a great game against Boston College, all-around great game, even with Hughes out for a little bit. Did look like a guy that was, I mean, this is pretty shocking. He's only a sophomore and not really that highly rated as a, as a recruit. Now, obviously, it's a weird situation when you're the coach's son. And Jim has said it's, it? <laughs> it's a shame that he's the son sometimes, uh, my son sometimes, because it means that, you know, people are always going to point to that and consider that. But he's undoubtedly one of the best shooters in the country right now and he's six in the ACC in scoring now 15.6 points per game I I was floored when I saw that after this 22 point showing against BC for him to be six in the ACC Hughes to be second they have the best scoring duo in the ACC right now now it's a down year for the ACC but buddy Beheim's only a sophomore what he's doing you have to say without a doubt is exceeding expectations Tim he's shot. Over 50% from three-point land in, like, five of his last eight games. No yeah. one no one does that. Like, that is great. And we've talked about—we've had a little banter on this show before about Buddy being the coach's son, having, you know, gone through rough patches last year. It's, you know, it's nice to see him kind of break out of that, especially these last, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games he scored— in double digits, oftentimes finding himself in the 20s. He's been consistent. He's been so consistent. So to answer the call, you know, at any level when you're the coach's kid, you know, it can, yeah. it can rub you the wrong way a little bit. I know one example I think of oftentimes when I think of Buddy is the Austin Rivers, Doc, Doc Rivers situation. That ended with Doc, I think, trading Austin away yeah. from Los Angeles. <laughs> right. But this seems to be, the narrative here seems to kind of be trending in a more upward note. Yeah, no one can argue with what he's doing now. There were some points in the non-conference play where maybe you could say maybe he should be playing a little bit less. If you're going to pick it up at any point, let's do it yeah, for, for, they need for it. ACC play for sure. Yeah, it's shocking, though, that he's six in the ACC in scoring. When you just look at it, Jordan Wara. Tyus Battle who? Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's, I mean, he's only a sophomore, too, and that's right. what sometimes we forget about this team is we do put Joe Girard, Buddy Beheim kind of on a pedestal in the sense that you compare them to maybe a Duke freshman or a UNC freshman. In reality, as a freshman, what Joe Girard is doing, he's leading the country in free throw shooting. Mm -hmm. And when you look down the list, he's the only player in the top 35 in free throw shooting percentage that's a freshman. Absolutely. It's not normal for freshmen Absolutely. if you're not on a Duke, a Kansas, a UNC, a Blue Blood to be playing like this. Not so, that being on one of those teams nowadays says much, right? Yeah, you know? well, <laughs> I just got an <laughs> ESPN alert. Yeah, just, yeah, I was just going to say, I got an ESPN alert maybe two minutes ago saying, or, or yeah, saying I think UNC and all these other great programs are on the bubble. Obviously, you know, we've got, we know, that we're, we're aware of, for those that aren't right. aware, Roy Williams has been a little critical of uh, Syracuse's ACC foe and the yeah. team that he's coaching this year. But yeah, about Buddy, I mean, just like, I mean, sorry, about Gerard, just like Buddy, he's had, 
nine straight games in double digits and has found himself in the 20s and has shot over 40% from three in most of those games as well. He's It's great to see a freshman doing that. It, it, it's it's huge, you know, and, and yeah. they brought him in simply really to make shots. And, and I think with the way the offense is kind of the trajectory of how things have and you say, you know, an isolation offense at Syracuse plays oftentimes. It's like they really need shooters more than anything. Yeah. He's definitely filling that bill. And that's my thing. In a sense, it does feel like this offense is doing a lot of things better. And it's like they're answering the call to a lot of things that we have been complaining about the last two or three years in the sense that there is less isolation. They're third in the country sure. in assists per field goals made. Mm-hmm. And they have three-point shooters. But then we get back to that center position, which is maybe the biggest gripe that we've had in the past five or six years. Recruit a center, get a center that can score, develop a center, have a center-based coach that's not Alan Griffin, who used to be a guard, and maybe get better results. And that's that's the bummer with this, because at the end of the day, have we seen Syracuse play a little bit better? Yes. Are they going to be a little bit relevant longer based on these two games? And obviously today is a huge game against Virginia Tech, and huge. we'll get into that. But I still just don't think the ceiling of this team has changed much based on what we've seen in the last two games because it's more of the same. It's They still don't have a front court answer, and when they go against a team like a Duke with Vernon Carey, like Notre Dame with John Mooney, who they play next week on the road, they're just going to get beat badly down low. Yeah, it's it's definitely funny you say that because and I, and what's funny what's funnier than that is I feel as if as the three point game really across all levels has grown and as you've been influenced by the guys who shoot the best, you know, starting with the whole all really the Steph Curry's of the world and how that's became a trend amongst younger players and it's reflected itself yeah. in the college game. As that trend has grown, it's almost as if very coincidentally and, and simultaneously this the the importance of a and I don't mean an effective big man but I will use my words carefully here as an efficient or useful center because that center position yeah. doesn't necessarily need a bang down low as much anymore but be able to distribute and be able to kind of it's a different attention yeah. yeah so to not have anything like that and obviously the last time Syracuse really when I'm thinking back about this the last time Syracuse really had a big man down there, and he wasn't even that big as far as height and verticals goes, was Rick Jackson. Yeah. The first or guy Christmas. at least that comes to mind. Or Rakeem yeah. Christmas. Yeah, so it's been, it's definitely been a while, and, and even so, those guys weren't what I'd say are modern-day big men or modern-day. They're, they're, they're guys that ba- that really banged down low when they played at Syracuse. And even if it's—we don't—Syracuse doesn't necessarily need a guy like that, per se, or maybe if they want, if they, if they do— you know, that that would be good, but it's all, it'd also come in handy to have someone kind of be able to distribute from down there, especially with your effective wing shooters that yeah. they have. The good news is the ACC, we know, is really bad this year. And yeah, it's bad really bad. Relati- I mean, even relative to normal standards, but it's just objectively not a good college conference. It's they've, definitely bad. They've got Duke, Florida State, and Louisville as three tournament locks, and then it stops. Right. I mean, after that, it's really everyone else. I think Virginia, you can make a case, but I don't know. I mean, you watch this Virginia-Syracuse game, and yes, you got to give some credit to Syracuse, but this Virginia team just has no offense. They're, they don't strike you as a team that can make a run in March. Right. Maybe you could point to an NC State or Virginia Tech who Syracuse plays today as kind of heading up that next tier. But a lot of the teams that we normally look at, like a UNC, 
Syracuse is probably going to be favored against UNC at Isn't home this year. Isn't that crazy to think about? It's wild. Isn't that so Because they're, they're terrible. I'm not saying Syracuse is good. It's more a reflection on this conference I is really bl- down. I still can't believe it. I, I hate harping on it because we're, we're talking Syracuse basketball here, but I, I can't believe Roy Williams came out and said yeah. that this was the least talented team he's ever coached. I, and how about, I couldn't uh, believe that. After the Clemson game, he literally said, fire me. Did you see that? After uh, he I forgot. didn't see that. So, we don't have to go into it too deep, but this is crazy. Yeah, stuff. He, it's it's wild what he's doing. And also, I was joking about this with some of my friends. It's kind of a weird flex to uh, say "fire me" because you have to be in such a good position yeah, with your like, job security I, to be able to I say that. I feel like, and, and there's something to be said for not like if you're at the point that he's reached, like you don't want to deal with this kind of adversity and have to kind of rebuild a program. But if there is a playing easy devil's advocate there. It's like, all right, this is the first year in so long where things have been bad. And now look, your the team, yeah, it's not as talented perhaps, but he's saying, he's basically waving the white flag as far as being at the school in general goes, yeah. which I don't know. That's that's definitely an interesting thing to observe from afar, to say the least. Right. And I do think it's probably just one down year for UNC based on the recruiting class they think, have coming yeah, in. And really otherwise. That's probably what separates Syracuse from UNC, one of the many things right now yeah, in the but, two I mean, programs. Absolutely, and, and we look at other teams too, like Notre Dame and Pittsburgh's not usually this bad either. They're 2-4 and four in the conference, 11-6 and six overall, just like Notre Dame is, but who would have thought They're this time of year team. that free, like freaking Georgia Tech and BC were going to be better than Notre Dame and, and North Carolina and Clemson's playing well. I Wild mean, it's a wonky stuff. conference. So it is. definitely is. I don't know. Huge game today for Syracuse, though, against Virginia Tech, Saturday at noon. We're going to dive into that game a little bit. Mm, I, I think this is, I mean, almost the season. This is where we find out today. Momentous revenge game. Yeah, so we'll get. We'll definitely get into that. Right. Got to. Got to bounce back. It's a good matchup, I think. And this is where we find out: were those two wins a fluke? Were they just bad teams, or is this really the start? of something bigger. So we will go into Virginia Tech on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. We welcome you back into Fizz Radio. Tim Leonard, Harrison Singer here with you on this Saturday morning on the score 1260. Getting you set for Virginia Tech on the road today for Syracuse men's basketball. A noon start. You can follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz for live updates of that game. Big game today, Harrison. Two in a row for Syracuse, trying to make it three. And this is kind of that game that really tells us a lot about where this team is at because I think people are still sort of questioning how much of these past two games was Syracuse improving and how much was it just really good matchups. The good news is, for SU fans, I do think Virginia Tech's also a good matchup. I know they lost to them at home, but... They don't have a quote-unquote big man, one of those centers that we were talking about in the last segment that can make a difference against Syracuse this year. They can shoot it, though, and that's kind of how they beat Syracuse at home inside the Dome. No, definitely. Landers Noli Jr., not Noli, he's... He's, he's definitely a shot maker. He's definitely, you know, he's averaging over 18 points per game. And we were, we were just kind of talking over break. That loss at the Dome was really, at the, in retrospect, not as bad as it really seemed that day. Now, it's bad, don't get me wrong, but yeah. when you look at where Virginia Tech sits and where they seem to be heading this season, as far as conference standings go at least, it, it's definitely, I think... 
I mean, we're talking about the lesser of two evils, but I would say if you lost to Virginia Tech like that in years prior, you know, it's kind of, you know, for, again, lesser of two evils, where it's maybe a bit more or less of a blow uh, when yeah. you look at it. I think that was also, it was like everything coming to a head with another close loss after the Notre yeah. Dame loss at home. So, well, yeah, the, the, the context of it all was very right. frustrating. It was very frustrating. For sure. So today, now you got to beat them in Blacksburg. Yeah, after that's, losing that's the catch here. 67 to 63 at home. Virginia Tech's 50th on Ken Palm. Syracuse is up to 53 on Ken Palm. They were 70 going into that Virginia game. Two big wins. That's what I guess it'll do for you. Right. right? And it's funny because they started the year at 53. So they are exactly where they were in terms of expectations, I guess you could say. Although it's been such a weird year in college basketball that I think just by being a little bit less than expectations, you're staying pat at your ranking. That's strange. Yeah. I'm loving, like, Literally bathing right now in joy with my 17 and 13 prediction for the season <laughs> right now. Like, I am loving it. All you guys were out here going, eh, they'll probably win 20. They'll yeah. do this, you homers. Dang. Because, yeah, like, I, I look 20, at this team. One or 20. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, at, I, I feel like the hype's there kind of every year. And I get the prestige program of the program. It makes sense to, to feel that way. But obviously, we, as we've spoken about before on this show, it's like it's a different era. Yeah, Syracuse basketball. Not that they, you know, maybe might not be able to adapt and conquer, but it's just as far as personnel goes and dynamic. It was funny looking back. I actually read through our season predictions pretty recently. Just sort of glanced through them because I was Fizz. curious. Net. Orange Fizz. Go check net. them out. Yep. Shameless plug. Mm-hmm. And I did say twenty or twenty-one wins. I can't remember exactly, but. I will give myself some credit. I pointed at the center issue as being right. a big problem. And I think I did say Elijah Hughes was going to be an all-ACC guy. Outside of that, the wins, I'm looking like I would Nailed like to change Nailed the X's and O's. Yeah, you yeah. really did. He's, sec- what, second now in the ACC? Yeah. I mean, and he's got to be all-ACC first team, I think. Be a at shame least on if he track. wasn't, yeah. And Buddy could be all-ACC third team or something. Yeah. He's sixth in the ACC in yeah. scoring, so you got to give him some no credit doubt. for no that. I, I did look back, though, and it's just—I mean, this probably happens every year recently with Syracuse, but— Basically, every single one of us was like, Jalen Carey at the point guard's the key, mm. <laughs> or yeah. this deep bench is going to be a factor. And Oof. I'm not saying we were foolish to think that, but that's just what everyone was thinking at the yeah. time. And you could always do that because, especially this year, there were a lot of unknowns with these freshmen. A lot of people were saying Goodine could be that guy in our predictions, yeah. and there's reason to believe he was going to be that guy, but did play a little bit better against BC, but hasn't really panned out. Right. As for today— you think they beat Virginia Tech? I, I'll come out and say I do think they get this win just because it's a team that matches up well against them. They don't have a big. I'm way more concerned about John Mooney and Notre Dame next week on the road and going forward because the schedule does get tougher. And really, if they want any chance of sort of you know scaring the NCAA tournament, you've got to capitalize on these next four games before Duke at home. Because a team like Duke's just going to beat you with Vernon Carey. If you have a big man, it's not hard to solve. It, you just go down right. low and you score against Syracuse yeah. and you get offensive rebounds. Yeah, that's a kind of a perennial thing or annual thing yeah. versus a Duke team. But I think as far as do they win this game, as far as that goes, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm riding high on Syracuse after watching them these last two games, but they're going into a team they lost to at home. Yeah, Virginia Tech caught fire and went off for 40 points in the second half, which in a game on either side 
involving Syracuse seems just like wild like right. at this point, right? But at home, and at the same time, with the exception of a loss, a bad loss uh, at Virginia, Virginia Tech's won seven of their last eight games. Before that run, they lost to Duke. So this really could be a legit, a relatively legit Virginia Tech team. And at home, you know, I don't. I see this being another one of these close, low-scoring games, perhaps. But I'll, if I'm going to go with a, a, a winner and an, an exact score to bat, uh, to boot, score. yeah, I might give wow. you a score. I'm going to give you a score. I think Virginia Tech runs out um, as home victors. We'll say 65 to 58. Okay, I could see that. And a I'm second not, half run, and yeah. I'm not overly confident. So kind of a similar game to last time they played is what you're thinking. That's yeah, yeah. History re- might right. repeat itself. I think Virginia Tech's a young team like Syracuse. They just fit in with this ACC season. They're just going to win yep. some games against yep. some good teams and lose some games against some bad teams, and that's what we've seen nationally in college basketball this year. The key to this game, though, is is the 2-3 zone making enough progress to the point where we're going to see better three-point defense. Mm. We're going to see them adjust to what Virginia Tech did in that first game which was make some threes down the stretch. And I did think a lot of that was Virginia Tech just making some tough shots, especially once no, they got some momentum. Absolutely. But it's been a problem this year. And they corrected it against BC and Virginia. But let's be honest, doing it against BC and Virginia is not tough. Two of the worst shooting teams, not only in the ACC, but in the country. Mm-hmm. And BC went 0 for 18 from three. Yeah, that's some of the defense, they but if you're terrible. missing if you're missing your first 18 shots from three, Ugh. that's also just you got lucky, and this team is not hitting that is anything. It's got to be some of that. That is a Martha Stewart type recipe for disaster. <laughs> if you don't make one three point shot, you are you're done. You're 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 not going to win that game. And for a team like Syracuse, who shot relatively well that game and, and over 50 or just at 52 percent from the field as a whole. And they also, you know, they volume-wise, they're third in the ACC in three-point attempts. So you're making your shots on a given night where you're probably inevitably shooting a lot of threes. You're going to get 26-point wins like that, you know? Yeah. It but should I, be yeah. an interesting game today. This game, more than anything, and I, I just want to be clear oh, on yeah. this, is I think more than anything, what we're, we're going to see a lot here, not just off of what Syracuse has to offer from a talent perspective. Oh, what can we kind of look for uh, from you know a technical or an X's and O standpoint? This is a character, season-defining from a yep. character standpoint type of game. We lost to this team at home. You know, you're you're now on Revenge. the road in Blacksburg. We got Blacksburg. We have you know, we're feeling ourselves after two straight wins and two big wins at that. It's time for Syracuse to make a statement, and this is you know internally kind of in the locker room. This. <laughs> And I don't think it's hyperbole. See, that was a thought that rushed through my head, yeah. and I'm most certainly not going to call you crazy at all it's for at saying least, something like that. Is there a way that they sort of make a crazy run if they lose today? Sure. But this feels like one of those tipping points, one of those fork-in-the-road moments where, okay, if you're legit back, if you're legit playing better, and you're on this momentum hot streak— you win this game yeah. because Virginia Tech is good. Sure, it's a road game, sure, but they're not that good. They're a young team that yeah. matches up well against you. So yeah. you got to take care of business if you want to make the NCAA tournament, which is still crazy talk probably at this point, even after these two wins. 
We yeah. will uh, discuss football a little bit yeah. on the other side. It's funny too. I was going to say, uh, kind of relating to football, they're going. To, they're going to be at Virginia Tech as opposed to that home game they lost to them. Maybe there'll be a little nerves off the shoulders after Odell Beckham was uh, at that home game yeah, really. uh, against Virginia Tech at the Carrier we, Dome. We got to so. talk about Odell a little bit on the other side too. He's uh, been in some hot water. Bring I guess a little you could teaser say. for you. Yeah, yeah definitely. Some hot out water. Cash. We will. We'll dive into. Uh, LSU, Odell Beckham, Ed Orgeron. We got a lot to discuss, as well as these new hires for Syracuse football. New offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. We will discuss that next on Fizz Radio. Half the show left to go here on Fizz Radio. Tim Leonard with Harrison Singer. Thanks for listening, as always, whether it's on the podcast apps or on Apple, Spotify. Pretty much everywhere you can get your podcast. Also, check us out on Twitter at OrangeFizz and on the web, orangefizz.net. We're going to talk about these new hires for Syracuse football. Cleaning house, going with the new offensive coordinator out of McNeese State, the head coach, Sterling Gilbert. He used to work with Dino Babers at Eastern Illinois with Jimmy Garoppolo and then at Bowling Green. Has a pretty decent pedigree. We'll start with Gilbert, also a new defensive coordinator, Zach Garnett, that we'll get into, but... Just looking at Gilbert's resume so far, he was the OC at Texas for a year. Pretty legit program there to yeah, pick up a, a hire bit. from. And South Florida as well. So, I mean, this is a guy that has some background. He has some background working with Babers as well. I think more than anything, though, what makes me happy about both these hires is you went outside the program and you made changes. After last year, you recognized there was a problem and it was worth going outside and finding replacements from outside the program, which is, I think, what you had to do. Absolutely. We've, that's something we have talked about. Um, not, and we haven't even just pertained it to football alone. Yeah. You know, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no. It's a I, lot of things to discuss right. with Syracuse. Yeah, <laughs> keeping, it a, keeping it a buck 100 right now, it's definitely, uh, as far as football goes, it's definitely something that, I really can only echo what you said as far as probably the right measure just off a sheer conceptual standpoint of going outside of what was previously in-house. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, definitely helps when you come over having coached Jimmy Garoppolo, any or any small school quarterback that has not only made the NFL but in turn had success at the highest level, that's a pretty good look, and that'll yeah. get you a job at a, at a Power 5 like this, so... Could be a Super Bowl winning quarterback soon. Who knows, man? I don't know. Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing well for the 49ers, but it's a great team. McNeese State with Gilbert was seven and five in the regular season last year. So that was his first job so head Texas coaching Tech wise. With Cliff Kingsbury, right? So I mean <laughs> he got a job. Yeah, well that that didn't I guess it's going fine over oh, there. Still, but, the jury is definitely still yeah. out. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean it's hard to really gather too much about Gilbert outside of it's one of Dino's guys, and if he trusts him, then that makes me trust him a little bit more. And, like, you're not going to get some huge whale to come right. into Syracuse That's right thing, now. Yeah. So this is about as good as you could expect. At the defensive coordinator position, I think Zach Garnett I might be a little bit more excited about just because he does come from San Diego State, which had a top-10 defense last year. Mm-hmm. And San Diego State, which credit to them, I mean, they're only undefeated left in basketball, and a football program's kind of on the rise, too. Good time yeah. to be San Diego State yeah, fan. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you get him to come all the way across the coast, and this is a young guy 
that for a while fans were thinking maybe they were going after Rocky Long, who came and visited Syracuse, the head coach at San Diego State. But that's a guy who's 68, 69 years old. So getting his protege might be even better because he's a young guy that brings some buzz that can help in recruiting as well, you'd think. And you'd imagine when you come in after a top 10 defense last year that he can make an impact right away this year with a good sort of core that's coming back for this yeah, defense. Yeah, there's definitely a good base uh, on the on the defensive side. And for a team that was able to rush the quarterback last, last year, it's like they already have a pass rush to work off of. Although, uh, correct me, I, I do need, truthfully, a fact check here. Alton Robinson won't be that, no, correct? So, no. as well, Kendall Coleman. There's Kendall Coleman, too. So, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, you'd like to think you lose that, right? Yeah, little, it's kind of big, but you'd like <laughs> to think that there will be a next up kind of precedent established that that is followed through with. I know Josh Black will be back as a redshirt senior next season, so that's going to be tremendous. I think you know he'll obviously have to step up, and I assume that he will. He's definitely made improvements each year year in and year out so hopefully as a senior i feel like you see the game too as just from a whole different perspective when you've had that much experience the game at this point's got to be moving nice and slow for you so that you know that's i've I've heard him say that to me before so hopefully that next year will be another step forward but as far as things go on the offensive side sterling gilbert's coming in after a year at mcneese state where they were I think they, it's safe to say, as far as the stats show, had more success in the passing game as opposed to their attack on the ground game, which when you're looking for someone presumably to come in and cultivate a close relationship with Tommy DeVito. You like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and He's going to be the quarterback's coach, absolutely. too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Exactly. He's, he's serving uh, both roles, and it proves right there in the pudding as far as what they're publicly bringing him in to do. And I think it's for good measure when you think about the more proven names in the backfield. Jawar Jordan, obviously a great you know piece there as a transfer. Hopefully we'll see him get more involved, but obviously even more proven than Jawar Jordan. We have Jarvion Howard in the backfield and then uh, Abdul Adams, who yeah. figures to play a tremendous role, not just in the backfield, but I would think out of the You'd backfield hope. receiving, just you know being a, a key cog in, in the offense as a whole. Yeah, and with Zach Garnett, the defensive coordinator, the big thing with him is he brings in a new scheme, a three-three-five defense. Yeah. Darren May on OrangeFizz.net, one of our colleagues, wrote a really good article sort of breaking that down. We won't get too into the X's and O's here, but when you have five defensive backs, that relies more on defensive backs, and I do think that's one of the better sort of segments of Syracuse's team looking ahead to the future because you got Trill Williams, you got Andre Sisco, yeah. Ify Melifonwu. These are guys that can play in the NFL – and you've also recruited well in the years that are coming up here. Some guys that haven't even gotten to campus and a couple guys like Cornelius Nunn, who was yeah. a freshman last yep. year. I'm excited to see. Yeah, it was just really him and some other recruits, too, uh, as far as people, right. guys coming in on the, on the front seven as well. It's going to be it's potentially going to be a pretty scary unit and perhaps a force to be reckoned with. So. Yeah. Well, it's not Ed Orgeron coaching Syracuse. No, it's there not. Was... <laughs> <laughs> Cajun nice. accent. Yeah. I love he, it. Uh, I love it. His LSU team, man, it's crazy to think that in 2015, he literally called up the Syracuse Post Standard and was like, can you tell them I'm interested in the head coaching job here at Syracuse? Unreal. And Unreal. I mean, just four <laughs> or five years later, he's got the best college team ever, maybe, and just runs rampshot. I, I don't need, it's just wild how quickly things can change in sports. 
and I'm not blaming anyone at Syracuse because he wasn't really a candidate at the time, although he did say he expressed interest. There's been articles written at Syracuse.com that said they basically didn't really express interest back too much. I mean, there were a couple calls, but nothing from the athletic director. And here he is after taking this LSU defensive line position. That's what he had at the time as Syracuse had the opening after Scott Schaefer was fired. And (laughs) I mean, it's a huge what if, of course. Crazy to think about. How about what he did? I mean, this LSU team was just downright silly. Well, the first thing I'll say is everyone kind of, uh, as a player, but also as a coach, evolves at their craft. And I think after Syracuse, he headed over to USC. He, you know, spent some more t- extended time at uh, in the SEC, in the SEC between Ole Miss, Tennessee, but he also had some NFL experience coaching uh, for yeah. the New Orleans Saints and being around. I think coaches of of, of the pedigrees in the NFL and, and in the SEC, and then obviously at LSU, he's 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 I think had time to develop. So whether or not you know he was truly deserving, not saying he was, not saying he wasn't, uh, but he's probably well more established this time around as as a coach. Yeah. Now, the quality of the team that he coached this year, I will go on record right now and say out of the 20 years I've been on this earth, that is the best college football team I have watched. Yeah. It is. It is. I, I, there was a lot of hype uh, kind of around Tua Tagovailoa being the best quarterback in this draft. I'm sure some still might think that, even though it inevitably— even if they do think that the injury Burrow's will prevent him, one. yeah. So, yeah. so Burrow's going to be the number one pick overall. But I might have only taken two games for, for me uh, to watch Joe Burrow and say, this guy's probably. And again, another thing I'll go on the record with: the best quarterback prospect I've personally seen. It's wild. The eye test. Because last year he wasn't even that oh, good. Oh man, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I do think it is. They've got tons of weapons around him. The system in place. So good, but. Holy cow, is that Studs. guy good? Yeah, he's a stud. So I think it, it I don't know this for a fact, only time will tell. But there is a legitimate chance that all twenty two starters on, on this year's team for them will at least get a look in yeah. the NFL. Many of them will get opportunities. They have freshmen in the secondary who are would be first round picks in April if they were allowed to go to the draft, which right. that's a whole nother conversation, especially when you talk about Odell Beckham hopping on the you know, <laughs> dropping cash yeah, out there. Really handing them wads of cash. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Odell Beckham after coming to the Syracuse game last week, uh I don't even know why he came to that Syracuse game. Still puzzling to me, and it's a shame. I think he came to Virginia Tech, Boosters, right? I think, yeah, yeah, it was a Virginia Tech game, and Which, no one was like it was an empty. It was an empty. Yeah, it was a bad game. Every, all the students were tough away. game for him to see. You'd hope that a guy like that could at least see. And I know Latavius Murray was there too, yep. who's a guy that grew up locally. But, now that's another story of kind of similar to Ed Orgeron, where Syracuse gave him yeah. the, the, you know, the <laughs> eh. Well, we're, Too we're gonna... many to count, man. I mean, you could uh, go down the list, and we will get into Isaiah Story say, a we, little we, bit, we, we, who's a Rochester we, we guy. Well, yeah. He had some words about Jim Beheim this week, talking to Jeff Goodman. We'll discuss that on the other side. Anything else you'd like to add about Odell? Because he's kind of in some hot water here. I know yeah, it doesn't really pertain to Syracuse. Yeah, the, but... an arrest warrant out for, I guess it was first-degree battery or something like that. He apparently yeah. allegedly spanked a ref or something like that. I don't know. I think he was just really uh, basking in the glory of an LSU victory. So yeah. uh, hopefully that <laughs> has a happy him. ending to it. But Yeah, I'm we'll with see. you, though. I think LSU's the best team I've ever seen. And Definitely. I know we said that about Clemson literally last year. But and, and they're, to, they're just yeah. getting better and better. And Clemson was 
really in any other season that I can remember repeat national championships this year. Yeah. Champions. But furthermore, LSU beat them by, what, two, three scores? Yeah. Unbelievable. It's not like Clemson yeah. really played a bad game either. And two years ago, Syracuse almost beat LSU on the road, coached by Coach O, mm-hmm. and they beat Clemson at they home. beat Clemson. Yeah, like they won five memory. games this year. But yeah. that's Syracuse football. That's Syracuse athletics for Eps you. We'll do uh, flows. <laughs> yeah, in anything. We'll do Fizz Feedback on the other side. Stay with us. Tim Leonard and Harrison Singer wrapping things up next on Fizz Radio. Final five minutes or so of the program here on Fizz Radio. Thanks for listening on the Score 1260 or the podcast apps. Tim Leonard and Harrison Singer. Going to go into Fizz feedback in a second as we always wrap up Fizz Radio. But first, we got to talk about Isaiah Stewart, the Washington center, who <laughs> number three recruit in the country. I know some people, that's a sore subject. Mike Hopkins takes him from Jim Beheim. They were... All, by all accounts, it was down to Syracuse and Washington for this Rochester Surprise. kid. Yeah. Everyone kind of knows the story. I don't have to go into it too much. But the news this week is an interview came out with Jeff Goodman that he tweeted earlier in the week, and if you haven't seen it, go look it up, where he talks about how Jim Beheim kind of snubbed him trying to get a photo when he was in eighth grade. Isaiah Stort walked up to him while he was watching Buddy Beheim at one of these AAU circuit tournaments. And Stort, who obviously we didn't know at the time was going to be the number three recruit in the country, but he was at that tournament playing, and he walked up and said, hey, will you take a photo with my friends to Coach Beheim?" And he said he didn't even look at him, mm-hmm. and he remembered that. And yeah. Jeff Goodman asked him point blank, did that affect your decision? He said it did. That's I filed that looks. away, and I said he's going to regret it. So yep. Hard to really point blame at Bayheim. I mean, I'm kind of of the yeah. camp that he didn't do a ton wrong there because he's yeah. just watching his son play. He's a celebrity. He gets asked that mm-hmm. a lot. We don't know exactly how he addressed Stort, but on one hand, it's not like he snubbed a guy as a junior or a senior, right. but you still probably could have taken the photo, and if you had taken yeah, the photo, maybe that would have changed things. I, that's definitely where I stand. It's it's. We had an interesting conversation before the show about it, but at the end of the day— I think even if he was having, you know, the worst day ever, I think if it's a 10-second thing, it's nothing that major. And it's a guy who you never know. Like, just if, if you're a coach who's always trying to think the next level, especially with guys nowadays being recruited out of 6th and 7th grade, yeah. just take the dang picture. But who knows the true context of the situation. So can't right. judge too much. But. And he was watching the future 6th. Uh, in the ACC and scoring, and Buddy Bayheim, who yeah. would have known? Um, we might have, may or may not have had a different, a hard time bringing the series. Yeah, that's, yeah, whatever. Right. Uh, I don't know what to really glean from that. It's kind of just another layer to this Isaiah Stort miss that stings for Syracuse for obvious reasons because he's a Rochester guy who was. A, Keen to Mike Hopkins, you'd think to go there. Clearly, and at this point, it kind of adds more insult to injury there, but. It's not really to me. It's not like Beheim did anything too wrong. Yeah, or, yeah. It's not like he just completely ignored him. It's just when, an opportunity wasted. It's like a. It's like literally the same thing as a as buying stock in Apple in the 1980s. I would say. <laughs> right. And if you didn't do it, you missed out on a great opportunity. But hey, it's not. If you could, be, you might be well off regardless. Yeah. So. Well, speaking of buying stock, we got to talk about the stock of the Syracuse basketball team because right now is that. 
fringe area where some people are buying, some people are selling. Virginia Tech today, we put out a poll fizz feedback. How have the past two wins changed your opinion of this team? Most said they could make a run. That's 43% leading the way. So their story is starting to believe. No one really said a lot. That was just 5.7% of the vote. Yeah. Are you buying stock right now if you look at Syracuse? Yeah, I'll buy a little bit for maybe, you know, a good little near future run. But at the end of the <laughs> yeah. day, the ultimate, yeah. who knows, you know, I still my, my end of the year predictions won't really change. Yeah, I think these next four games are huge. I mean, absolutely. You've got today's game. <laughs> it's everything. I, I, we said earlier, huge. this is the season, but Virginia Tech's a team you match up well against that you already beat. And like you said, it's a character opportunity, a character game. They've been talking about mental toughness, these guys, and how they wanted to prove that, yes, they're a young team, but they're mentally tough. We'll see if they can bounce back today. I think they do it, but I don't necessarily think that means NCAA tournament bound in the future. That's a classic time will tell situation, but yeah. All righty. Well, that'll do it for this week's Viz Radio. For Harrison Singer, I'm Tim Winter. Thanks for listening. As always, be sure to follow Orange Viz on Twitter as we give you live coverage of the game today against Virginia Tech.